0: Good morning, good morning church. Wow, what a great morning of worship. I'm just so excited and so fired up just to be in the Lord's presence and for us to be together today. Our God is here and God is moving. Welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Make Ready. and We started this series last week and it is powerful. And What we're saying in this series is that God is preparing you for what God is preparing for you. So make ready, right? God is preparing you for what God is preparing for you. So So make ready in this time. See, there's still breath in your lungs for a reason. God's not finished with any of us yet, and there are still great joys to come. There's gonna be some challenges to come as well, but for right now, for us to make ready. And we said last week that you don't wait for the battle to come to get ready. You prepare now, you prepare now. How many of you guys like the Olympics? Everybody in the Olympics, ready? Oh man, I love the Olympics. So I just love, I love when the Olympics are on, and it's so funny because it's like sports that you never watch, right? You know, I mean, you never watch cross-country skiing, but there you are at your TV going, come on, you can do it, you know? You're like, come on. And, and you see these athletes, and they're doing snowboarding, and you're like, that's a deduction. I don't know, I mean, I think so. I literally, you know, I, you're like so into these sports now, right? But you think about these athletes. It's not like they showed up in Seoul, Korea, and said, hey, here I am, never done this before, but willing to try, put me in, you know? No, I mean, these people have been preparing They have been making ready since they were kids. They're living for this moment, man. They're living for this three minutes or this five minutes. Everything in their life has made them ready for this. And what we're saying is this, as believers, as followers of God, God's calling us to make ready. Because we don't know what's going to come tomorrow or the next day or the next month or the next year. But we know this, God's already there. And so for us, we're going to hitch our wagon into him, we're going to hold on to him, grow deeper in him, grow deeper in his word and his truth, and we're going to make ready for whatever is to come. So when those opportunities come, we can stand firm in our faith, and we can be a light for his name and for his glory. He says, make ready. Now, in our series, in our series, we're going back to the Old Testament, and we're looking at this guy named Moses. And Moses was the leader of the people back in the Old Testament, and God was preparing Moses to do great things before Moses ever knew it. I mean, Moses was growing up there, you know, in Egypt as a slave because he was a Hebrew and he's a little baby and his mom, like, the Pharaoh gives this command to kill all the babies and his mom's like, no way, you know. So she puts him in this basket and he's floating down the river Nile and all of a sudden Pharaoh's daughter comes out and rescues him. And so Moses grows up in the palace. Moses grows up learning to read and to write unlike the other slaves who didn't, right? Moses learns how to be a leader. Moses learns how to fight. Then Moses learns how to do all these things and he's raised there but in his heart he knew, no, I'm not an Egyptian, I'm one of God's people. He knew in his heart that there was something more that God had for him and so one day he's out and he sees an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew and he kinda looks both ways and then he takes this Egyptian out and buries him and thinks, hey, nobody knows. But then Pharaoh finds out and he has to flee for his life and he goes out to the desert. and He spends 40 years out in the desert And he's thinking, maybe God's forgot about me. I'm out here in a desert. Maybe God's wondering, you know, hey, what happened to Moses? But see, God didn't forget about Moses, right? God knew that God was gonna use Moses to lead the people through the desert. He needed somebody who knew the desert. Maybe some of you, you feel like you're just in a desert. Kind of look at your life and you're like, God, where are you? Do you know what's happening? you know what's going on? And God's going, oh yeah, I do. And I'm preparing you for what I'm preparing for you. And there are great things ahead, you hold on to me, you trust me. And sure enough, the people back in Egypt, they called out for deliverer and God said, Moses, it's time, you've been making ready, come on, go back and Moses walks into Pharaoh's court, he knows the language, he knows the customs, he gets an audience with Pharaoh and he says, hey, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no way, I'm not gonna happen, right? And Moses goes, watch this, you're gonna find out real quick that he's God and you're not. I know you think you are, but you're not. And after 10 plagues, Pharaoh goes, You're right, he's God, I'm not. The people can go. And so a million people walk out of Egypt, out of being slaves, and head into the promised land, this land that God gave to their forefathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, back to this land. And they come across the desert. God meets them at Mount Sinai, he tells them how to live, enters into this covenant relationship with them, says you're gonna be my people, I'm gonna bring them aside from you one day, and they get to the edge of the Jordan, and before they go in, they say, hey, we're not sure what's happened in that land. And so they send some spies in there, and they realize that there's giants, a lot of things happened since they've been gone for 400 years, and they come back, and they say, well, we can't take that land. Two of the spies go, are you kidding me? And God just delivered us from the Egyptians. They got chariots and swords and stuff. and We just walked out and we looted them along the way. We could go in there, but the people rebelled. And so God says, okay, maybe you need to stay in the desert a little longer until this whole unbelieving generation dies off. And what we pick up today in the story is this, is that it's been 40 years in the desert, but God has sustained them. God's taken care of it. He's given water for the rock. He's given them manna and quail. He's provided for them. And now they're back in the Jordan getting ready to go back into the promised land, and Moses has already been told by God, you can't lead the people in. Moses has already been told, you're not the one to lead them. In fact, Moses, you're gonna die on this side. And so Moses pulls them all together. These people that he's been leading and he pulls them together and he goes, guys, this is what I wanna tell you. And so we're seeing this. I mean, this is just so incredible. This unfold right here. I mean, this is the last speech of Moses. This is like, Moses, I've been with you for 40 years, I've prayed for you, I've interceded for you, I've walked with you, I've seen the good, I've seen the struggles, and now I know you're going to go off, right? This is like a parent saying to their child before they go to college, I've made you ready, I hope and pray, but here's the things I want you to know, here's the things I want you to get. This is like a grandparent who thinks, maybe I won't see my grandkids again, I want them to know this, I want them to understand this. This is incredible truth, and Moses pours his heart out and says, this is how he God calls you to live, make ready. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, oh this is so good. So back in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books, it's called the Law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, all written by Moses, by the way, how cool is that? I mean he knew how to read, and knew how to write, you know? so he's writing this down and we have it 3,300 years later, this truth. Uh, for us to know how to follow the Lord. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some free Bibles in the back. We'll also put the scripture on the screen, or maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scriptures with me as we follow along here. So, Deuteronomy 29, Moses summoned the people together and he started his speech. And in, in Deuteronomy 29, he tells them first, remember what God's done for you. Never forget that you were slaves. Never forget that God has brought you into freedom. And for us, that we never forget the total depravity We were dead in our sins and our transgressions until God made us alive in Christ. And if God can handle our salvation, don't you think he can handle anything else we face? Oh yeah, so he tells them, remember this, remember this. Then he says, align your priorities, right? Put God first, put God first. You're gonna go into this land and God's gonna give you all kinds of things, but you always keep God first. And remember this, your obedience impacts others. Boy, that's so true, isn't it? I mean, you can just look back at parents, grandparents. You know, your obedience impacts others. And now he comes here, and he says, align your prosperity. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says, when all these blessings and curses I have set before you come upon you, and you take them to heart, wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, and when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul according to everything I command you today, Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he has scattered you, even if you have been banished to the most distant lands under heaven. From there, the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your fathers, and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. Okay, listen, if you're taking notes today, look at what he says. Remember the sovereignty of God. Remember the sovereignty of God. Moses says, guys, remember the sovereignty of God. You hold on to him. You trust him. He's the one who can deliver you. He's the one who can provide for you. He's the one who's gonna take care of you. Moses knew they are gonna walk into this land and God was gonna give them houses they didn't build. He was gonna give them vineyards they didn't plant, right? Because there's people living in there that were gonna move out. They were gonna have all this stuff And he says, I just don't want you to forget God. I don't want you to fall in love with the stuff and the things and forget God. Remember the sovereignty of God. He comes back, he says, Moses reminds the people that God's in control. God is in control. Now here's what's something powerful to think about. These people are walking back into this land that God gave to Abraham, their forefathers. And if you know, kind of think about where modern day Israel is today. This is the prime real estate in the entire world. I mean, let's just be honest. Where Israel sits, this promised land, it is the prime real estate of the entire world. It's the center right now of all the world. Because if you look at this, Asia and Europe, it's a land bridge to Africa. So all the spice trades that came out of the Orient, everything comes through this land, the Mediterranean Sea, all of this through this land. God's like not giving them like a little leftover. He's like, this is the best that there is. But I want you to know, there's going to be people who are going to fight for this. There's going to be people you are going to go through some battles and some struggles. But you hold on to the Lord. You hold on to him. And it's true, right? You look back throughout history. There have been battles, more battles have been fought on this land than any other piece of real estate in the world. In fact, we know Armageddon's gonna happen on this land. But the Jewish people, I mean, man, the things that they've gone through, but God's been with them. I mean, you think about the enemies that they've faced. You think about the Assyrian Empire. Think about the Babylonian Empire. Let's just go back through history, right? You think about the Persian Empire. You think about the Roman Empire. You think about even the Nazis, or you think about the communists, and all these people, and the persecution that these people have faced even today. And yet, you go back and you look and you say, wow. The small group of
1: people, and yet God's favor and God's blessing. Because the Assyrian Empire, gone. Babylonian Empire, gone.
0: Persian Empire, gone. Roman Empire, gone. Right, Nazis, gone, communists. I mean, you just look down the list and you go, God's hand has been on his people. God's hand is on his people. And Moses is saying, don't forget about him. You know, don't don't run off and go off and scatter. Did you hold on to him? Because God is in control. Check this out. God does not call his children to be successful, but faithful. Guys, this is a big one. This is a big one, right? Moses is saying, hey, listen, listen, listen. You're going to be successful if you hold on to God. You will. But, but, but God will take care of that. You do this. And see what happens many times in our lives, right? We run after this. <laughs> right? We're running after being successful, right? Our career, our families, our dreams, our career, you know, all these things. We, we want money,
1: we want these things of the world. But God's calling us to do this be faithful. Hold on to me. Trust me. I'm your
0: provider, I'm your redeemer. Notice, as God's children today, we are in this covenant relationship through Jesus Christ. Now we hit this last week, but remember, God made a covenant with his people. He said, you are my people back in the Old Testament. But when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, God made a way for you and I to enter into that covenant relationship with him through Jesus Christ. It comes down to Jesus. God opened the door, and that's why when you get to Romans 11, the Apostle Paul says, hey, we are the engrafted branches, as it says in Romans 11. As believers, we are the engrafted branches. You know, sometimes people become Christians they're like, hey, we can just throw out the Old Testament, or we can throw out all that, you know, history. No, 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 no. Paul says, listen, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, that's us, but listen, I have a heart for my people, you are the engrafted branch, you are invited into God's story. And because you are in that engrafted branch, because you're a part of God's story, God's hand of blessing, God's hand of favor, God's hand of protection is on you. Wow, thank you Lord. God is with you and God is for you. God is our Father and he's in control and we must put our faith and our trust in him. We must put our faith and our trust in him. So what Moses is saying to the people is on this side of the Jordan, on this side, maybe in the desert, I want you to prepare for prosperity. I want you to get ready. And I think that's so true for all of us, right? Before the big promotion comes, before, right, you get the bonus, before, you know, all the things happen, the inheritance or the lottery or whatever it is, before all that stuff happens, you get ready. You know who God is and what God's doing for you. Prepare, prepare. Notice, if you keep going, verse six, Deuteronomy chapter 30. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate you and persecute you. You will again obey the Lord and follow all his commands I'm giving you today. Then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your fathers. If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Man, that's strong. See, Moses prepares them for prosperity before it even comes. Moses prepares them for prosperity before it even comes. Hey, guys, you get ready now. Yeah, there's gonna be blessings that are gonna happen. There's gonna be challenges. I mean, let's just be honest. There's gonna be challenges. But you get ready now. It it is interesting, though, to think about. There's a great book called Thou Shall Prosper by a rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Lapine. And he talks about how the Jews have always been like blessed, or even with wealth. And I mean, a lot of times it's kind of a joke. You kind of think about it. Oh, yeah, Jewish people, they're wealthy. But, but you look at it, I mean, it is kind of, hmm, right? I mean, 0.2% of the population in the world is Jewish. And yet 11 out of the top 50 wealthiest people in the world are Jewish. You just look at the blessing and you look at how did this Happen. Like, why is that? Why is Israel sitting there in this small little country? Why is it so significant in the world today? And you go, Well, God is with them, God's hand is there, and, and we need to learn from that. But Moses was preparing them long before that. Moses knew what a blessing prosperity would be, but he also knew what a temptation. <laughs> he also knew what a temptation. And isn't that true for us? The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. Money can be used for good or money can be used for bad. But the love of money is the root. And he knew when they came in that it would be so easy for them to just kind of fall in love with the stuff. He knew they would come in and all of a sudden they would have these houses, they would have vineyards, they'd been living in a desert before. And isn't it interesting, when you're in the desert, you call out to God and you hold on to God But in the times of plenty, many times you're like, I'm okay, God, I got it. You know, I got all this, and my faith is kind of in this and in this stuff. And Moses is like, no, 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 don't do that. You hold on to Him in plenty and in want. You hold on to Him in the good times and the challenging times. You hold on to God. You hold on to Him. And I think every one of us, we have to be prepared for that because the temptation will come, the temptation will be there. Uh, You know, we do a thing called Men's Leadership Network for all the guys in the room, it, it, it's just awesome. So we just met last Thursday. We have about six in the spring and six in the fall. I wanna encourage you to jump in, but also we have now kind of a library uh, which you can go to mensleadershipnetwork.com because we know guys, we face you know, different challenges than women do, and, and nobody really talks about that a whole lot, but guys, you know how to be a godly husband and how to be a godly father and how to have a work-life balance. And, And so I did this interview for Men's Leadership Network with Rick Bird. Now, Rick Bird is the coach at Belmont University. He is the basketball coach, the men's basketball coach, and he has been very successful. He's a strong believer, but I mean, the guy, I mean, a couple years ago, they went, Belmont beat UNC, North Carolina at UNC. I mean, here's this little school. They went and, and played Duke in the NCAA tournament, and lost by one, I mean, just a few years ago. They beat Georgia in the NIT this past year. And so I sat down with Rick Burnett and I kind of asked him some questions. And I want you to watch this.
2: People tend to think about us as a division. We've been 20 years now, a Division I program. But but there were there were huge wins back in the NAIA days. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the statements you hear a lot of times is the the big time is where you are. Mm-hmm. And and it's just as important to small college players and coaches and programs. To win championships, and those moments mean just as much as they do to North Carolina last year when they won the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's uh, it's just where you are and how important it is to you. And so, uh, just really lucky to have a lot of a lot of great players that have made a lot of great plays uh, over the years and uh, exciting times. And I guess the best thing about it all to me is that that hopefully our our basketball program has been something that's created some some pride among our students and our alumni and the people that support this mm. school and given them something to talk about and, and look forward to. yeah the big time is where you are. I, yeah. I like that that's great. you know just like in my case i will I will get asked occasionally why'd you stay at Belmont so long or why didn't you try to go to a to a a major conference school or that sort of thing, and 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 at some point of of the maturity of my life, I realized that that the quality of life that I had in Nashville mm. and at Belmont University, the kind of young men that I could recruit and coach here, were a great fit for me, and the 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 money becomes way less important, or the fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and you know there there people there are all kinds of different people and n- not any are right or wrong but some people would love to be the head coach of Kentucky uh, and get all the adulation that comes with that and I don't I don't have any interest in that mm-hmm. I don't, I don't I, you know I'm, it's fine with me that I just come to work every day at Belmont and we try to have a good practice mm-hmm. and, and a good game and that that I can just go home and and be Rick Bird instead of somebody that's, you know, hey, I like to play golf. If I was the head coach at Kentucky, they'd be saying he's playing way too much golf (laughs) and not not watching enough video (laughs) or something like that, so. I mean,
0: you know, I love that. He said, there came a point of maturity in my life. And the guy's been at Belmont 32 years. And when you sit there and you talk to him, he goes, you know what, you know, this is bigger than basketball. This is raising young men. This is helping young men become godly men. This is pouring into them. And and I think that we have to come back to this. How do you define success? Every one of us is gonna have to answer that question. How do you define success? What does success look like for you? Because you can get caught up in the world, right? And you can run after all the things of the world. And Jesus said this, he goes, what does it profit a man to gain the
1: whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Moses knew it. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about this. The Apostle Paul
0: writes in 1 Timothy, chapter six, verse 17, he says, command those who are rich in this present world. Okay, guys, I'll just have to give you a little newsflash, this is to us, all right? Just by virtue of us living in the United States of America, just by virtue of where we live, we're in the top five percent of the wealthiest people in the world, okay? I know we don't feel rich sometimes, we're like, we're trying to make ends meet, I get it, but, but I'm just telling you, we are, so he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Have you ever met rich people who are arrogant and you're just kind of like, why? why are you arrogant? I mean, but not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, right? I mean, it's so uncertain, right? You can have a lot one day and the stock market changes in one week and you don't, I mean, it just, it's uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, now, this is important. It's not a sin to be wealthy. It's okay, you know, and if God's blessed you, praise God, he's given you those things to enjoy. I mean, there are some wealthy people in here. Abraham, right? David, Solomon, the wealthiest man that ever lived. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, the list goes on. But it's what you do with it, right? You are a steward of that. He says, command them to do good. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. Command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now hang on to that statement, that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, what he says is, hey, command them to be generous. Generosity is the only antidote to
1: greed. I'm telling you, generosity is the only antidote to greed. This is so true. And it's a biblical
0: principle, it comes back. It's 10, 10, 80, right? Your first 10% you give back to God. It's a great deal, God says I'll give you 90%, you give me 10%, it's just awesome, thank you Lord. I mean yeah, we recognize everything comes from him. Our first 10% goes back to him, our second 10% we save. And then you live on 80%. You live below your means, it's unbelievable. Because see, money causes a ton of stress in life. And if you don't learn how to manage it now, it will eat you alive later on, right? Money is one of the top three causes of divorce in America today, problems over money. And it's so important that if you're married or you have kids, to talk about money, to be on the same page. You know, if God bless you, do it right, do it well. Usually there's a spender or saver in the marriage. You know, one person's like, hey, we can spend, the other person wants to save. But as long as you're on the same page and you work together. Now, if you're struggling with finances, we offer what's called Financial Peace University. It's incredible. I mean, it's life-changing. Jump in and be a part. But it's important for us to get this right. It's important for us to do this well. Hey, next Sunday, we're gonna do something. We're gonna try something. Never done it here before. But uh, we're gonna do what's called Change for the Change. And we're just gonna ask people to bring change. So, you probably have change sitting around, you know, in your car, on the floorboard. You got change, you know, on your dresser. You got change in your workplace. Just bring some change next week. It doesn't have to be your whole big change jar. Just, you know, give your kids some change. If they have change in their big bank. bring some change. We're gonna have some buckets sitting around. We're gonna dump some change in, just the change we'll bring, dollar, $2, $3, whatever. We're gonna drop that in and then we're gonna see what we can do all together to bring change from change. We're gonna see what a little generosity will do and the difference that it will make. But Moses says, hey, you make ready. Because there's gonna be bonuses, there's gonna be things to come, but generosity is the only antidote to greed. He's saying, keep the Lord first, even over prosperity. Keep the Lord first, even over prosperity. And guys, don't miss this, get this question right here. Get this one right here, watch this.
1: The question becomes, do you love God, or just his blessings? I mean, think about it. I mean, if all of it was stripped away, Is God enough for you? Is He enough for you? That's why Moses ends this chapter. He says, "This choose life.
0: Choose life, man. Listen to these words. It is so powerful. Pick up here, verse eleven. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven." so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. He's like, guys, I'm not talking some big mystery here. I'm not talking some incredible theological truth that you're like, oh, I don't know if I get that. He's like, I'm black and white. I'm telling it like it is. I want you to get this. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient and if you are drawn a way to bow down to other gods and to worship them. I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. And then listen to these verses. Man, these, this is like a life verse for a lot of people. A lot of people, in fact, at Family Dedication, choose these verses for their kids. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." Man, do you just hear the heart of a a father, of a grandfather just pouring out, just going, guys, choose life, hold on to him. Moses tells them, people, they all have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. Every one of us has a choice to make. God in his sovereignty allows us to choose, and and you can choose. I mean, am I going to follow him, or am I going to rebel against him? Am I going to, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Life and blessings or curses and destruction, which way will I go? Moses tells the people, they have to make a choice, so what will you choose? What will you choose? See, there's really only two ways, right? There's God's way or there's the way of the world. A lot of people go, I'm just gonna live life my way, I'm gonna do whatever I want, it's all about me. It's really not, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, just kinda look at a big picture now, kinda step away from yourself, kinda look out there. There's really only two ways. So what will you choose? What will you choose? And then get this, eternal life begins when you enter into this covenant relationship with God. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And that's when life truly begins. It's not when you die. It's when you make ready, when you put your feet, plant your feet solid on the foundation of Christ, when you know the sovereignty of God, when you know the sufficiency of Christ, when you commit your life to follow him,
1: man, that's where life truly is life. Today. He says, choose today. Don't wait till you're there. Choose now. He says, make ready. Make ready. About a month ago, I was,
0: uh, it was a Saturday. We were with the family. We were eating lunch at Jason's Deli. And uh, my phone rings there at Jason's Deli. And it's cold, it's raining outside. And I look down and it was a friend of mine who was, I knew was in Hawaii. And so I'm like going, really? you're calling me, it's cold and rainy, and I'm eating lunch at Jason's Deli, and you're calling me from Hawaii, okay? No offense to Jason's Deli, I'm just saying, it's just like, you're in Hawaii, okay, right? I mean, and I'm thinking, I can't believe you're calling me, and so I pick up the phone, and I'm like, hello, you know, like, it's cold and rainy here, how's it there, you know, kind of sarcastic, and, and they said, hey, Jeff, um, would you pray for us? And I was like, Yeah, right, you're in Hawaii, you know, like, I'm gonna pray for you, you're just calling, kind of rubbing in, like, it's cold and rainy here, like, I'm gonna pray, and they go, no, seriously, and I could tell all of a sudden that they were serious, and I was like, whoa, what's up? And they said, well, you wouldn't believe it, but this, like, text message just came to all of our phones around here, and it was like an Amber Alert, and it said that a ballistic missile was headed to Hawaii, and it said to take cover that this was not a drill, and I go, are you sure, you know? And they were like, oh yeah. And I said, well, what are people doing? And they said, well, people are like running around freaking out. And I said, well, did you go to the front desk of the hotel, did you ask? Did you say, you know, is this true? I mean, what? And we said, yeah, we went, we went down there. And, and, um, and the lady said, yeah, we all got it. Just go back to your rooms. Um, it'll be fine. And they said, well, how do you know? And the lady said, well, we know that um, with the aircraft carriers that are here, we've got 26 minutes to intercept
1: that missile. So we'll know in 26 minutes. And so my friend said, well, we just called to ask you to pray. I was like, wow. So I pulled away, Jason Deli found a little
0: nook over there, and, and I just prayed and prayed and prayed for them and lifted them up for the Lord. And The amazing part, they weren't painted, they were just like, we just, we just wanna pray, we just wanna pray. I said, well, can you send me that text message? Now, can you imagine if if this came on your phone? I mean, this is the text message that they sent me right here,
1: just emergency alert. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. There were people in Hawaii, right, that were taking their kids and putting them down in manholes,
0: there were people who were running around, there were people who were just scared and crying, but what would your reaction be? You see, here's the thing to know, it's this, that the death is a great equalizer, right? It didn't matter how much money people had. It didn't matter if they were on the golf course. It didn't matter if they were playing tennis. It didn't matter if they were living in a shack. You know what, people didn't care about money. They didn't care about anything else. You know what they cared about? They cared about life.
1: They cared about their life, and they cared about their kids, and their friends, and their family. Life. I have to tell you, I was proud of my friends. I mean, they didn't panic, they,
0: they prayed, and they said, you know what, we feel at peace. We feel like God's with us, and then they made this statement. They said, you know what, even if this whole island blows up,
1: we know we're gonna pass from life to life. We're gonna move from life to life, and we're gonna be with Jesus one day. Guys, what about you? Because God says, make ready. We don't know if we got 26 minutes left. We don't know if we got 50 years left. But you don't wait. You invest in the things that matter now. You hold on to Jesus now. You find your peace and your purpose in Him now. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know this that Jesus is life and joy and peace and everything good. So what about you? I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. This is you and the Lord, you and the Lord. Where are you today? Has there ever been a time that you've said yes to Jesus? I mean, is God's drawing you to himself.
0: Today it's not an accident that you're here. I mean, God brought you here today to hear from him.
1: Today, maybe today's the day of salvation where you just say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me my sins, my mistakes, my mess ups.
0: God, come into my life, redeem me, restore me. I wanna be yours, fully yours. Maybe today you kind of go, man, I've just gotten off track. I've fallen in love with the things of this world and it's dominating me. It's been about my career, it's been about money, or it's been about success. And today, I, Jesus, I want you. I want you. Maybe today is just a day to say thank you, God. That you are with me, that you're for me, whatever comes. Whatever comes, I'm yours, and I have a confidence in that. So Father God, here we are, your disciples today, and we've come to hear from you. So speak to our hearts this morning, oh God. Father I pray that you would draw us to yourself. I pray that salvation would come, that hope would come, that peace would come, that God we would make ready. We know there's great things ahead. We also know there's challenges ahead, but God, today, 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 we place our faith and our trust in you. Give me Jesus. (laughs) You can have all this world, but I I want Jesus as the Savior of my life. As our worship team sings over us right now, would you just spend time with the Lord, be honest with him. Pour your heart out to Him and make a commitment today to Him that will impact the rest of your days.